A very good afternoon, church, saints, visitors, guests. It's good to have you. It's good to be with you. My name is Wouter. I'm one of the elders here. And it's a joy uh, to be opening God's word with and, and for you today. I imagine uh, the church in Philippi, upon receiving Paul's letter, uh, reading it out loud in the presence of the congregation. Uh, time limits us to do that, but I want to give us a snapshot of that initial reading of, of Paul's truth to the church. Allow me to read uh, to you from some selections of Philippians. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Christ Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Rejoice in the Lord. Our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. The Lord is near. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. That is God's word. Thanks be to God. And saints, what a grounds for rejoicing. What a grounds for rejoicing. And this is just a snapshot of, of Paul's writing to the Philippians. And, and my hope, and I've heard some of it, is in response to hearing truth of, the, like, of this kind, of this magnitude, that, that, that it moves your hearts to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Nine times in this relatively small letter to the Philippian church, Paul talks about rejoicing, not a general rejoicing, rejoicing in the Lord. A rejoicing that is grounded it means that we can find our delight in him. Delight in who God is, our, our good father. That we find joy in him. That we are happy in him, as we have just sung. When Paul calls us to rejoice, he calls us to be captivated by God. And what we have in him. What are the benefits of Christ that, that are applied to us? He calls us to consider things from above, things from the heavenly places, 
He calls us to look up. Look up, saints. That's what he's calling you to. Our citizenship is in heaven. Things from above. The psalmist looks up in Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? He answers himself. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And Paul calls us to rejoice in this Lord in whom we have everything. Saints, we're, we're, we're called to look up and to rejoice in the God who watches over us in our coming and in our going and in, in our everything. The antidote of looking up to the Lord is to look around and to look inward. And that's what our text this afternoon speaks to our anxious cares, which is to look around, to look inward without the looking up. Let me pray before we read from chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Our gracious God, our Father, thank you, our God, for supplying our every need according to the riches in your glorious Son, Christ. Father, help me as I teach your word today. Help me to speak your truth and love. Help me to be true to what your word is saying about your promises, about our cares, about our hope, and about your peace. Help us, Lord, to Look up and see who is seated on his throne, the Lord Jesus. And it is in his name that we pray and ask these things. Amen. Let me read to you from uh, chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. This is right after the, the double uh, exhortation to rejoice. And again I say rejoice. Paul writes this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer, and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Uh, two verses, two commands, one promise. And I have three points for us. I hope that they will aid us as we work ourselves through the text. Three points. One, put off. Two, look up. And three, receive rest. Put off, look up, receive rest. Point number one, put off. Do not be anxious about anything. This is verse 6a. I think it's important for us to recognize that Paul is not saying anything new in this letter. This is not a let's cram this in at the end of my letter type of truth. This is a summary of what Jesus has been teaching all along. Perimnate, which is the, the Greek word that Paul uses here in, 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 in Philippians 4. It's, it's, a, it's a word that appears 17 times in the New Testament. Here in Philippians, translated in most of our translations as anxiety, Elsewhere found in, in scripture and rendered as worries. So worries and anxiety. 
interchangeably used here by Paul. And it shouldn't be surprising to us that these words occur almost always by some form of a do not. Do not worry. Do not be anxious. And Jesus, as I said, has, has, has used this, especially in, in his Gospels, that early on in Matthew 5 and 6, he speaks of this often. And it's just interesting to consider the situations that he speaks this command, which it is, do not worry, do not be anxious, to consider the situations in which he is speaking this. Luke 10, we read that Martha was addressed by Jesus with these words, do not worry. Martha, you are worried. You are anxious and bothered about so many things. What follows is Jesus contrasting Martha's anxiety with the, the good portion that Mary chose. Right? She is sitting at the feet of her Lord, listening to his teaching, eagerly listening to every word of the Lord. So this is Jesus correcting Martha in what kind of a circumstance? In a Daily care circumstance. It's her household that she is running, a meal that she is preparing. She's worried about others. And I think Jesus speaks a similar word to us in our daily activities, our jobs, our homemaking, the worries we have about others, the fear of man that can come to us and our interactions with others. Worries. Jesus tells us to not be anxious about any of those. A little later in Luke 12, we see Jesus speaking to the group of disciples that's with him. I tell you, do not be perimnate, do not be anxious, worried about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. Jesus speaks into their anxiety about their food and their clothing, which was all of their daily provision. What are our daily provision needs and cares, saints? Jesus speaks into situations like not having a job, not having enough funds in your bank account, being low on your savings account, and not having a savings account altogether. Renting, buying, moving, daily needs. Jesus about that too says, don't be anxious about that. And then to take a step further, in Matthew 6, Jesus asks the crowd, who by, same word again, anxious, who by being anxious, about being worried, can add what to his life? A year? A month? A day? An hour? Who? can add a single hour to his life, our very lives, our very health situation, the health of our own, the health of our parents, the health of our spouses, the health of our kids, life-threatening allergic responses, MRI scans, worries. These are about as big as a care we can face. Jesus tells us plainly, don't be anxious about any of those, too. And that's what Paul is summarizing for us here. Don't be anxious about anything. And when he says anything, he really means anything. Consider the definition of to worry in our dictionaries. It says to give way to or to allow 
one's mind to dwell on difficulty or trouble. But clearly, we have trouble, many of them, and it's, it's about as clear as a command that Jesus does give us too. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, he says, following, I have overcome the world. Very important to read those together. Worry, in contrast, is to walk past this statement of his overcoming and, and rather to give in to, to give your mind to, worry and to give way to dwelling on, on, on just one portion of Jesus' promise. In the world, you will have trouble. Now, Jesus says, do not let your heart be troubled. And yet we all do it. Like everybody does it. Everybody anxious. I'm anxious more than I'd like to confess. One author wrote this regarding anxiety in, in the 90s. The biggest business in America is not steel or automobiles or television. It is the manufacturing, the refinement, and the distribution of anxiety. I believe every word of it. I believe every word of that is true. And it makes sense. It makes sense that those around us do so. There's many things the world ought to be anxious for. Not so for the bride of Christ, though. She is instructed differently. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And, and when I am troubled, when I am anxious, when worried, and, and, and the same counts for you, when we allow our, our, our minds to dwell on our difficulties, this is what our actions communicate. I just was, was thinking through, like, what does this communicate about us? And this is not an exhaustive list, just a couple. When giving in to worry, we're refusing to take God at his word. Quite plainly, we ignore his instruction not to. We are literally wasting our time and our energies. It, it is a futile activity that guaranteed will not produce any good fruits. Uh, we walk by sight, not by faith, which is the exact opposite of our charge. We are trusting in the temporary, while not trusting God with the eternal and the outcome of our lives. Uh, we are forgetting what the Father has promised to us. He has given us the kingdom, he says. He has given us the kingdom. We're acting like he hasn't. It blinds us to what God has says about himself. Jesus has said that all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. And he said that he will be with us even to the end of the age, right? When giving in to worry, this blinds us from that reality. And that's why Paul makes such a big deal about not being anxious. It causes us to dwell more on the problems that we face as opposed to the promises of God. This is big to Paul. Like I said, anxiety is not just an exercise in futility. It is actually counterproductive 
to our walk with the Lord. It's counterproductive to, to our sanctification, to our growing in holiness. Christian, when you are, what are you tempted to do? Uh, when, what are you tempted of as, as you are confronted with trouble in your life? What is your first thing that you go to? Do you recognize a pattern in your life? Is it fleeing to the Lord Jesus, which we are called to, or do we respond differently? Think about this guy, true story. A man afraid of spiders spotted a big one in the laundry room of his West Seattle home. In order to get rid of it, he grabbed a lighter and a can of spray paint. That sounds plausible to me. Fast forward. There is no report about the fate of the spider. $60,000 of damages down. The house burned down. Saints, what is your immediate reflex when facing anxious situation, troubles, trials? Are you tempted to run to your cabinet and get the spray paint out? Giving way to anxious thoughts in, in the midst of our trials will only prolong and increase them. They will not help you. And this is what anxiety takes away. It's a, it's a killjoy to our joy in the Lord. And this is what Paul's writing about, our joy in the Lord. And anxiety is, is taking that away. It's the antidote to experiencing God's peace. And this is what Paul glories in. The Christian has grounds always in whatever circumstances to rejoice in the Lord. To what end? So that we can experience the Lord's peace. Our rejoicing is not grounded in changing circumstances. Our rejoicing is grounded in the one who himself does not change. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And saints, I, thus far, I hope, I have not told you anything new. This is not new information to you. But you and I are, are prone to focus on our problems. We're very prone to to focus on our problems without considering, without trusting in the promises of God. And, and, and this was the same for the Philippians, a church that, that Paul loved dearly. Out of his loving care for them, he reminds them, he keeps reminding them, you have grounds to rejoice in the Lord, dear saints. You have grounds, and again I will remind you that you have grounds to rejoice in the Lord. Halfway his letter to the Philippians, Paul writes this, My brothers, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble for me and is safe for you. No trouble for me, safe for you. I will be repeating myself all over the place, which he does. If it was safe for them, I think it, it, it's safe to assume that it's safe for us as well. That we need to be reminded again and again of the promises of God that are true. 
You find their yes and amen in Christ Jesus. It's his word. It will stand forever. We're instructed to believe these things and to have our lives shaped by them. Now be reminded of these sweet words by King David. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What, what can man do to me? Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Out of them all. <laughs> David does not say right away. Out of, not an immediate from. Out of them all. It's, 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 a, it's a sense that we will come out of something. The Lord will bring you through. I think that's the sense. And that is to say joy and peace can be ours whilst our circumstances are not joyful and peaceful. But we can trust that the Lord will bring us through. Isaiah, the, the call to worship, he does not write this. You keep him in perfect peace whose trials have turned into calms. It's not God's word. He writes this. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Paul knows this firsthand. That for those in Christ, there's not a situation, not a, an affliction out of which the Lord will not deliver him. The Lord will bring you out of it, even if that means through death. Yet he said, rejoice. Paul wrote this letter in chains. It's the perspective, facing persecution for his faith. The Lord did not take that from him instantly. Yet he rejoiced. St. Paul, we know that in all things, or whilst in all things, God works for good, all things, for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. And this is, in essence, what Paul's ministry was about, saints. Through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine, yet regarded as imposters, known, yet regarded as unknown, dying, and yet we live on, beaten, and yet not killed, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. That is the Christian life, saints. And, and, the, and Paul knows that the Lord Jesus who gave him peace in the midst of that, the Lord Jesus who brought him out is the same who lives for us today. These exhortations from Paul stand for us. This is God's word. Even though you are walking through the valley of the shadow, of death even. We don't have to fear evil, for the Lord is with you. His rod and staff, they will comfort you, he says. And this is the sure hope for all of us who are in Christ, isn't it? Despite the hardships you face today, the Lord, who is your good shepherd, will bring you through. That's why Paul commands to put off your Anxiety, because it keeps you from experiencing this deep joy that the Lord has for you. And herein lies the antidote, really, of our anxiety. Cast all 
your anxiety on God because he cares for you, right? This is 1 Peter 5. And so we do by prayer. And for this reason, Paul tells us to look up, which is going to be our, our second point. Look up, pray. And it's just glorious to consider the fact that Paul gives us instructions. It's not just a command, don't do this. And then figure it out, whatever works best for you. Then he gives us really good and plain and simple instructions. We ought to bring our cares before the Lord. This is 6b, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. Make known your request. That's, that's the imperative. Make known the your request through the means of prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Make it known. Look at what a command this is for his people, saints. What a God we serve. He wants you not to be afraid. He wants you to talk to him. He wants to commune with you. He says, talk to me. Talk with me. Come to me. In everything. Maker of heaven and earth, eagerly providing for our cares, eagerly experiencing fellowship and communion with us. Praise God. And, and in prayer, which in this context, as I said, clearly communicates communion with God, is the antidote to anxiety that Paul tells us to, to put off. And this is all Paul gives to the church. That's all he gives. There's no secret formula that ought to be followed. There is no hidden features to this antidote. There is a, not a, a, what is it, a VIP, special access, behind the scenes type of access to the Lord. This is for all who are his for all who are in Christ and are united to him, are reconciled to him, all who have been washed and sanctified and glorified within, justified. The Lord hears you because you are coming to him in the righteousness of his son, in the name of Jesus. And if that is you, you are called and instructed by Paul to make known in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, your requests. Anxiety is talking about your problems to self. Prayer is making known your requests to God. Do you see the contrast? Both involves talking and speaking about, we ought to bring it before the Lord. And it's a relief of our anxiety that Paul says. You can relieve your anxious cares by praying, through praying, by communion with God. This is what Spurgeon says in, in, in regards to this verse. Never, never keep a trouble half an hour on your mind before you tell it to God. As soon as trouble comes up, quick, first thing, tell it to your father. Remember, the longer you are, you are taking this, the longer you take telling your trouble to God, the more your peace will be impaired. Away, he says, away to the throne as quick as ever you can. Do as the child did when he ran and told his father as soon as little trouble happened to him. Run and, and tell your father the first moment you are in affliction. Isn't that a wonderful picture of a child who, who, who falls on his knees and needs a, need a, need a band-aid and runs to mom or dad. He, wants, he needs help. 
Have you any troubles, saints? And I trust you do. Have you run to the Father with them yet? Have you made known your requests? John Newton, in one of the many hymns that he wrote, one stands at it says this, thou, thou art coming to a king, large petitions with thee bring, for his grace and power are such, none can ever ask too much. And, and there's beauty in this, because it speaks of the magnitude of the trouble that we can bring before the Lord. There's no care too great. Cast your biggest care on God, because he can care for you. Since there's no limit to what we ought to be bringing before God, first of all, God is a God of no limits. We've considered this already. Our troubles will have no limits, and he instructs us with that in everything to make known our requests. But it's not just our big cares. Peter, in 1 Peter 5, makes no distinction. Call, cast all your anxiety on him. Even if we have cares the size of a snowball, which will, by the way, when sitting long enough, will just grow, rolling down that hill. He says, bring those too. Tim Keller captures this well uh, as he writes this. The only person who dares wake up a king at 3 a.m. for a glass of water is a child. We have that kind of access. And clearly, the, the illustration falls apart right away. The one who watches over us will neither sleep nor slumber. And our king that we come to is not asleep. But you get the point. We can come to him for a glass of water. Our small cares. There's no petty cares. And that's the logic that Paul argue for, argues for in this passage. To be anxious about nothing is to be prayerful about everything. To be anxious about nothing is to be prayerful about everything. There's no situation, not a moment of our day in which we're not dependent on God. There's not a moment in our day that we are not facing needs. And, and, and Paul urges us to, to be desperate in prayer about everything. Saints, I, I wonder if there's people in our midst today that are struggling in their marriage. Returning struggles in your marriage, is that a source of anxiety for you? Speak to the Lord about it. Make known your request. Are you anxious about your job situation, about making rent? Have you made known your request to your father? Are you worrying about your life? Are you anxious about your singleness? Are you anxious about not being content right now? The Lord knows your desires and he loves you and he calls you and instructs you through Paul's words to make known your request to the Lord. Saints, are you struggling with anxiety? Are you feeling anxiety boil up even in, in, in this service when I'm talking about not being anxious? Is that a source of anxiety for you? Are you anxious about your anxiety? You're saying your, your heavenly father carefully formed you in the womb. He knows your frame. He knows your weaknesses. There is no shame 
for those in Christ Jesus and bringing these weaknesses and even your anxiety about your weaknesses to the Lord, making known your request to him. There will be no condemnation from him. And he promised, he promised to meet your every need in Christ Jesus. Kids, let me ask you, I, I don't even know what you're anxious for. What are you worried about, kiddos? What are you worried about? Are you worried about your friends? Are you worried about making friends? Are you worried about losing friends? Are you worried about moving? Are you worried about math homework? Are you worried about tests for school or exams? I was. <laughs> Still am. Kids, you, you, can, you can come to the Lord in, who, is, who is in heaven waiting for you to come to him with your requests to make them known. And kids, I don't know what your, what your worries are. I don't know what your anxieties are. I know, however, that some of you have recently worried about your sins. How am I going to pay for my sins? I don't want to pay for my sins anymore. That's a correct, that's a right worry to have. And it's a right thing to bring before the Lord, your God. You can come before God and tell him about your, your needs and about your worries. Your greatest worry you will have, your greatest need is, is indeed the, the, the burden of your sin. And he has made a way for you to be forgiven of all your sins in the Lord Jesus. And, and if you are worried about that, if you have questions about that, talk to your mom or your dad, talk to me after the service. We would love to talk to you about that. Saints, the Lord is never taken back by any needs we bring to him. And he has promised, as, as the, 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 Paul finishes the Philippian letter, to the, like, the, the letter to the Philippians like this. He will meet our every need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father know how to give good gifts to those who ask him? What a, what a reminder and what confidence, saints, we have in coming to the Lord in prayer. But that's not all. Whatever we ask of the Lord, Paul instructs, we ought to do so with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to, to God. Why do you think that is, saints? Why are we instructed to give thanks in the midst of trials, in the midst of hardships, asking about things? And why would, why would Paul be concerned about us giving thanks? What is it about giving thanks? What does it do for us? Well, for one, Paul alludes that we have grounds for thanksgiving, right? This is not a conditional clause. Again, this is for all of us. There's no, no child of God who can skip this process in, in, in his approach to his father. It's, it's worth noting that in Romans 1, when, when Paul described the, the wicked man, he says this, the, the, the unregenerate man, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. 
Saints, giving thanks is a trait of the regenerate heart. It's a trait of every Christian, and that's why Paul includes it here. We've been given grace upon grace. We, we owe everything to God. How can we not be thankful? Now, you may not immediately feel thankful in the midst of great trouble, but Paul wants you to slow down. He wants you to recall the solid ground of your thanksgiving before God. Slow down, saints, in your anxiousness. Slow down in your worries and recall the wonderful works of God in your life. And let's do that now. Saints, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of what you're going through right now, what can you give thanks for to God? This is the interactive part of the service. Salvation. Amen. Is there anything else, saints? Our hope. Amen. Is there anything else, saints, that we can give thanks for? Our church. Amen. Saints, his mercies are new every morning. This is true. This is true for Gary, that was, who was on the ICU. This was true for him in the midst of his hardship. And I know that he would be up here first to testify of, of how good the Lord has been in the midst of his suffering. Our sins are forgiven. He remembers them no more. By his great mercy, he has given us new birth. Into what has he given us new birth, saints? Into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Thank you, Lord. What else? We have been born again into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, reserved in heaven for you. Your fathers were just considered as giving good gifts to those who ask. He is a good father. All God's promises are yes and amen in Christ. These are, these are truths that don't change, regardless of whatever circumstances you may find yourself. With thanksgiving, saints, we can give thanks for all the things that are ours in Christ Jesus. Oh, we, our union with him, you are his. He will hold you. Saints, are you carrying your burdens to the Lord? And when doing so, are you doing this joyfully, knowing that the Lord is near? Are we doing this with thanksgiving, recalling, that our, that, that, recalling all that is ours in the gospel of the Lord Jesus? And when you do this, when you do this, Paul says, we will receive rest. Prayer is the beautiful means that leads to the beautiful end of God's peace. Receive rest. Our final point. This is, this is Paul's future indicative verb, something that will be true for us, a promise, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God for the peace of God in Christ Jesus. Let's briefly unpack this, saints. What kind of peace does Paul talk about here? It is the peace of God. It's clear that it's not a peace that is produced by anything in this world. The world has all sorts of strategies and programs, right, aimed at, at soothing our worried and anxious minds. There's breathing exercises. There's yoga. 
There's all sorts of meditation. There's music therapy. There's coffee. There's balancing exercises. There are diets. I mean, the list goes on. And I'm neither endorsing or condemning all of that with one big brushstroke. I'm sure there's some value in some of them. But one thing is true for all of them. None of them can give you lasting peace, let alone a peace that surpasses your understanding. What more? All understanding. All understanding. Jesus told us about this peace. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. My peace. This is not something that you and I can work out. It, it transcends our understanding. Why is that? The source of the peace that transcends our understanding is itself transcending. It's not in time and space. It is from the Lord himself. It's a peace that only God can give and a peace that only God can achieve. It's a peace that God already has achieved. Romans 5.1 speaks of this peace. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus. And through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That is the, Paul, that is the peace that Paul promises to us, a peace that does not put us to shame, a peace that has dealt with all of our shame. Peace with God through the Lord Jesus. Jesus Jesus himself is our peace, he says. God has given us himself in the Lord Jesus. He promises himself to us as our peace. He has provided us a new heart and a new mind. And he says he will guard these things. Jesus, he says, this peace that is, that is, that is guarding our hearts and our minds in Jesus. Both of them will be guarded. The, the wicked man in, in Romans 1 is described as having become futile in their thinking, which is their minds, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Minds that did not acknowledge God. Hearts that have become darkened. God's peace in Jesus will guard us in the battle of our spiritual warfare, the battle that we fight for, this joy that Paul is calling for, that we fight for, this peace, which Paul is after. Joy and peace, friends, are not the attributes of the accuser. They're fruits of the spirit. This is the spiritual realm, and that's exactly what we're promised. God's peace will guard your hearts from fears and thoughts that we ought not to have. This peace, we're promised, will take your thoughts captive, rather. In what? In Christ Jesus. This peace will guard you and is able to make your heart contend in any which circumstance. This peace is promised to, to all of those who he has made his own. This is, this is to all who were saved by grace through faith, who through the blood of Jesus are reconciled to God. This peace is yours. Are you reconciled to God? Do you have peace of God with God right now? 
The Bible says that you do not have peace with God if you are not in Christ Jesus, if you do not profess him as Lord and Savior. Have you considered the Lord Jesus? Have you considered your sinful state before him? Have you turned to him by faith and turned away in repentance from your sins? If not, you have no grounds for rejoicing. Contrary to this, you have many, many a reason to be worried. And please be worried. Worried about your sins and trespasses that stand before a holy God who will not overlook you in, in, in giving a portion of his wrath. He will not leave the guilty unpunished. Turn from your sins. Believe in the Lord Jesus and turn to him. Look up. His peace is unlike any other peace. It's a, an Emmanuel, I am with you kind of peace. A peace that will set you free from your sins. A peace that is achieved for you and then is graciously given to you. A peace that comforts you always. A peace that will guard your heart in the midst of affliction and hardship. This peace is promised to all who are his. Listen to Proverbs 12, 25 that speaks of our heart and our anxiety and our joy. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down, but a good word causes it to, causes it to rejoice. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down, but a good word causes it to rejoice. And that's Paul's longing for the church in Philippi. That's Paul's longing for risen Christ's fellowship, that our hearts would be cost, would have a cause to rejoice. A good word makes the heart rejoice. Saints, do we have a good word? Not just any encouragement, a good word. Church, may, may I propose to you that we have more than that? We have the word. John talks about this word. In the beginning was this word. And the word became flesh and dwelled among us. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And the darkness will not overcome it. Christian, he has told you these things, that in him you may have peace. Saints, put off your anxiety. Look up to the Lord. Make known your request and receive this peace. Jesus is our peace. And he is yours and we are his now and forever. Let's pray. My Father, blessed be your name. The God of our salvation, we rejoice. We rejoice in that what is you? You are our all. Father, you have redeemed us, redeemed us from our greatest burden, our sin. You've laid your life down, Lord Jesus. You rose victoriously over the grave. You've given us life. Holy Spirit, we ask you to be our teacher, to remind us of all the things that the Lord Jesus has spoken to us. 
Help us, Lord. Help us to, to dwell on all that is ours in Christ Jesus and all who Jesus is for us and all that is ours that is to come. Father, would you give us joy and peace in the midst of our struggles? Would you help our anxious minds? Well, I pray for help for all of us in putting off our anxiety, looking away from our problems. Father, would you help us with that? Father, would you help us instead to pray according to your promises? And Father, make us acquainted with your peace. Fill us, Lord, with your peace, we pray. Amen.